the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Lord Jesus Christ, the King of glory, before whom every knee bows and every tongue proclaims that you are God. Lord Jesus Christ, there's only you. There's only you, Lord, who are true. Only you can say, I am the truth. Only you can say, I am. Only you are the self-existent. Only you, Lord, are the indescribable, the uncircumscribable, the, um, the immeasurable, the ineffable. All of those descriptions, Lord, given to us in the beautiful liturgy of St. Gregory. Only you, Lord. Only you are the unchangeable. Please, Lord, teach us, Lord, today. Speak a word to us today. Touch us, Lord, with a word, a new word today, Lord. Teach us, Lord, what it means, what it means, Lord, to be a man for you, O God, to be a man of God. In your mighty name, Lord, we pray through the intercessions of all the saints, well-pleasing to you since the beginning, the prayers of my reverend fathers, the prayers St. Mary, first and last, hear us, Lord, as we pray to you, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, forgive us our trespasses, forgive us trespass against us, but deliver us from evil. Christ Jesus, our Lord, for thine kingdom come. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Glory be to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, both now and ever, and unto the ages of all ages, amen. I'm really happy to be here with you, um, and uh, the organizers did an excellent job of, of giving me, uh, you know, a very focused, uh, a very focused topic um, about manhood. And so, uh, I don't know if I'm dating myself, does anybody here know who Russell Peters is? Yeah. Okay. So I thought like every now and again, every now and again, I think like I'm, I think like I'm like way outdated because, because uh, of this or that, but I guess some things don't get old. So, you know, there's that clip that there's that clip where he's, uh, you know, he, he's describing how uh, uh, people of different, different ethnicities bargain, you know, and um, it, it ends with, uh, it ends with the shopkeeper who's, uh, you know, uh, of, uh, uh, you know, Far East, uh, 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 you know, origin Chinese, you know, you know, looking at him and saying, be a man, do the right thing, right? You know, and you hear that term, be a man all the time. And if I were to ask, I, I bet if I were to ask 10 of you what it meant to be a man, I would get at least five or six different answers. And I, I would love to do that. And actually, when I was planning this talk, I planned like an interactive thing that we could do and I could ask you and we'd get feedback. And then I realized there's way too many of you for us to be able to give everybody at least a, at least a couple of seconds to talk. So I figured, you know what? In fact, it probably doesn't really matter what I think it means to be a man. It certainly doesn't matter what Russell Peters or the Chinese shopkeeper thinks it means to be a man. But it probably matters a lot what God thinks it means to be a man. So the organizers of this conference did an excellent job of, of preparing um, stuff for us. And they gave us the verse from Titus chapter 2, verses 6 to 8. If you have your phones and if you have... If you have your Bible, feel free to if you pull it out. If you have a hard copy Bible, that would be even better. 
But if not, feel free to pull out your phone because I'm going to be referring to a whole lot of different um, um, scripture that we can share. A whole lot of different things from the Bible that we can share. Titus 2, verse 6 through 8 says, Likewise, encourage young men to be sober-minded in all things, showing them yourself to be a pattern of good works. In doctrine, show integrity, reverence, incorruptibility, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that one who is an opponent may be ashamed, having nothing evil to say of you. Did you catch that? I had to read it a bazillion times to process it. I'll read it one more time, and then we're going to take it step by step. Okay, we're going to break it up. We're going to take it step by step to see what, is, what does God say a man is. Likewise, encourage young men to be sober-minded in all things yourself, showing yourself to be a pattern of good works. In doctrine, show integrity, reverence, incorruptibility, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that one who is an opponent may be ashamed, having nothing evil to say of you. Now, I'm not very good at memorizing, but back in my previous life, I had to memorize a whole lot of stuff, and I used memory aids, ways of trying to remember things. So I noticed, it just so happens, that there's six points here, and these, I didn't invent these, these are straight out of the scripture, okay? If you, if, you, if you open your Bible, you'll see they're right there in front of you, black on white. I didn't invent this, right? There's six points that are mentioned here, okay? The first one, hold this like this. The first one, sober. The second one, a pattern of good works. The third one, integrity. The fourth one, reverence. The fifth one, incorruptibility. And the sixth one, talk that cannot be condemned. Now, guess what that spells for you? It spells spirit. S-P-I-R-I-T. Easy? Easy. All right, so we're going to spell it out again. Spirit. How do you spell spirit? Somebody spell it for me. Everybody spell it for me. First letter is? S. Second letter is? E. Third letter is? I. Fourth letter is? R. Fifth letter is? I. Sixth letter is? All right, so there you go. You know how to spell. Congratulations, right? Spirit. So the first letter is S for sober. What does sober mean? Thank you, thank you so much. What does sober mean? Sober means not drunk, okay? I, I, I like to use words that everybody understands, and I like to try to use the words that anybody would use to define something, okay? Not like fancy words or, you know, we look things up in the dictionary and stuff, but at the end of the day, you know, we have to talk to each other in a way we both understand. So sober simply means not drunk. If you look at the icons that, that are in our churches, okay, you'll notice that they don't look very true to life. Like, when you look at like when you look at the icon of Saint Mark or you look at the icon of Saint Mary, you think that's what Saint Mary actually looks like? Like in real life, you think that's what she looks like? You know, I would wager probably not. 
So why do we paint the icons in a way that doesn't look exactly like the person we're trying to represent? Because the icon is not a picture. It's not an accurate representation, hair by hair, of the person. It's a message. The icon is, it's almost like a book that you're reading, a story that is being told. You'll notice in the icons, all the saints in, in Neocoptic iconography and in Byzantine iconography, all of the saints, their eyes are wide open, except for someone, for example, like Saint Samuel the Confessor, who had his eye plucked out, so then he might not have an eye. Saint Victor, both of his eyes were plucked out. Sometimes they picture him with his eyes open, sometimes his eyes closed, but it's because, it's because we're trying to represent for how they were tortured or how they got martyred and so on. Right? But you never find somebody in an icon kind of sleepy or drowsy or, or sitting like this. Right? No, no. Right? Why? Because you'll notice that all of the saints, if you read any of the saints' stories, you'll notice that they were sober. What does that mean? It means that, that they had their eye on the goal. Back, back in the day a million years ago when I lived here in Montreal, I used to coach the St. George basketball team. Right? Simple, simple things. Keep your eye on the ball. If you can't see the net, you can't score, right? Very simple. In golf, same thing. If you can't see the shot, you can't hit the shot. If you don't have your eye on it, you're going to lose it. Anybody here ever play paintball? Paintball, anybody? I love playing paintball, right? If you can't see who you're trying to shoot, you're never going to hit them, right? If you're trying to hit somebody, you're following somebody in the woods and you want to sh shoot them, like, of course, with a paintball gun, not something else, right? Then you, you, can't let, you can't take your eyes off of them. If you and I want to get to the kingdom, if we want to live in the kingdom now, we've got to keep our eyes We've got to keep our eyes on the kingdom. We've got to stay sober. Why? I'll tell you why. St. Peter will tell you why. In 1 Peter 5, 8, he says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is as a roaring lion who walks about seeking whom he may devour. Stay sober. Why? Because otherwise you're going to be lion lunch. Right? Stay sober, because your enemy, the, your adversary, he is walking around like a lion, seeking whom he may devour. What else does it say? In Proverbs 23, 21, it says, For the drunkard and the glutton come to poverty, and drowsiness shall clothe a man in rags. How many of us say, I want to be poor dressed in rags? Show of hands. Oh, look at that. Nobody put their hand up. Great. Stay sober. And here, I'm not talking about like, I'm not talking about alcohol and drugs and so on. I'm talking, yes, all of that for sure is included. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about having your eye on the goal. What do you want in life? Where are you going? What are you doing? A man knows where he's going. He knows the path. He's got his eye on the goal. And nothing's going to take his eyes off of that until he gets there. That's what a man is. But what is it that you have your eyes on? We're going we're gonna to get to that. Next, first letter was S. S was four. Next letter is? What's P going to be for? It's going to be for pattern of good works. 
A man is a pattern of good works. Everybody loves, my church back in Toronto is St. Moses and St. Catherine Coptic Orthodox Church. Everybody loves St. Moses. You know why? Because St. Moses isn't one of those saints that we don't know anything about them until his very last day of his life and he was a super saint and he was amazing and he glows in the dark and he drips oil and he's fantastic and this and that and then he died and he went to heaven and all the angels rejoiced and that's the end of the story. No, that's great. Those saints are fantastic and they're amazing. But St. Moses, we know where he started. We know that he was a, 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 a slave and he was horrible and his master hated him so much that he kicked him out. Maybe he killed somebody. Maybe he stole something. Maybe he, maybe he was harassing the other servants. God knows what. And he was kicked out. And then, he's, and then he was a raider and a bandit. Lived a terrible life. And then he had a moment of repentance. And then he struggled fiercely, so fiercely, that the, the demons couldn't stand him. And then, in the end of his life, he was glorified as a martyr. And he died as a martyr. We know the story of his life from beginning to the end. And we can see the pattern upon which he walked. And we can walk in his footsteps. Like it says... In the book of Hebrews, look at the lives of the saints and walk in their footsteps, right? But that's not just something for the saints. It's for you and for me. I tell you what people long for the most now. What university students, because I serve a lot of university students, what they long for the most now is mentorship. If they can find a good person to mentor them and to help them network and to help them make connections with the right people, they know that they're set. They're looking for somebody who they can walk in that person's footsteps. God wants that person to be you. You might be in grade 7 or grade 8 or grade 9 or grade 10 or grade 11. Guess what? If you're in grade 10, there's people that you know that are in grade 9. Or grade eight. There's people that you can be a good pattern of good works for. That's what a man is. A man is somebody that other people look to and say, hey, when I grow up, I'm going to be like that. Is that you? Can it be you? And then you're going to tell me, but Abuna, then I'm going to start living my life like I'm just doing what I'm doing because I want people to praise me. No, that's not what I'm talking about. You're going to say, Abuna, that'll make me a hypocrite. That's not what I'm talking about. The word hypocrite is the Greek word for the word actor. Jesus didn't invent the word hypocrite. The word hypocrite was there long before Christianity and long before Jesus' incarnation. The word hypocrite means an actor. I'm not telling you to act out good works. I'm telling you to do good works. Be the good work that you want to see people doing. If you, if you find, you go in your circle of friends, everybody's gossiping. And you say, this gossip is a terrible thing. It's going gonna, it's gonna to tear apart our group of friends. It's going to make everybody hate everybody. We really got to stop gossiping. Don't preach about it. Just stop doing it. And when people do it, do something to stop it. Change the topic. You know, the best trick I heard about gossip is this. We're having a discussion with some of the youth Back at my church, we're just sitting around and, 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 and talking, and one of them says, you know, I tried this thing, somebody, somebody said this to me, I tried this thing and it worked so well. 
When somebody talks about somebody else and says something bad about them, if you say that, oh, yeah, I know, I kind of do the same thing, they'll stop saying the bad stuff. For example, right? Abuna Krolos and I are hanging out and, we start, and I start talking bad about Abuna Joseph. We're all best friends. We all grew up, you know, being best friends together, right? So, I'm, and I'm saying bad stuff about Abuna Joseph. None of this is true, okay? It didn't happen, right? But suppose, right? And I say, Abuna Joseph is always late. Man, he's always making me wait for him and he's driving me nuts, right? And then Abuna Krolos says, yeah, you know, I have trouble being on time too sometimes. What am I going to do? Am I going to keep slamming Abuna Joseph? No, because Abuna Krolos just aligned himself with him. All of a sudden, I, what am I going to say? Yeah, I hate people who are late. That would be like telling Abuna Krolos, I hate you, right? That would be a disaster. So then I was like, got to change the topic, right? Somebody says, oh, I hate that guy. He's got, he's got like bad BO. Like, yeah, I don't know, man. Sometimes I don't know about myself. I sweat a lot too, right? All of a sudden, the gossip stops. Be the change you want to see. Be the pattern of good works that is going to make good things happen in, around you. That's not being an, a an actor. That's not being a hypocrite. That's being the good works that you want to see. Be the gospel. Again, in our Coptic icons, you'll notice that their faces are all the same. Almost. Their faces are almost all the same. Plus or minus a beard, and the women don't have beards, so on, right? But by and large, they're very, they're very similar. Why? Because they've all been conformed back to the image. They've all been restored back to the image and likeness in which they were created. They've all been restored back to the image of Christ. They've all conformed to a pattern. Jesus is our pattern. And I'm, I'm walking, I'm following Jesus, okay? Suppose, okay, suppose, right? I'm following Jesus, okay? You're walking behind me, you can't see Jesus. Who do you need to follow? Just follow me. If I'm following Jesus, you can follow me. If I'm not following Jesus, I'm in trouble. And guess what? Everybody who's behind me is in trouble too. Be the pattern of good works. Third letter is going to be... Great, some of you are still awake. I, integrity in doctrine. So the first letter was S, and that was for? The second letter was P, and that was for? Third letter is I, integrity in doctrine. Psalm 24, 21 says, Let integrity and uprightness preserve me. What is integrity? Integrity is honesty and a firm belief. Being consistently honest to the belief that you believe. One of the most frustrating things is talking to somebody who's lying to you. Somebody who says something at one moment and at another time they say something completely different. That is the opposite of integrity. What do you believe? Whatever it is, just stick to it. Just stick to it. What do you believe? If you have a question, you don't know. Well, wait a minute. Uh-oh. What do I believe? No problem. The church has given you a super easy answer that I bet most of you already know off by heart. If I ask you, what do you believe? 
What, should, what can your answer be? We believe in one God, God the Father, the Pantocrator, creator of heaven and earth and all things seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of the Father before all ages. And you can carry on. What am I saying? We believe what we believe is in the creed. And that's why the church has put the creed for us in the morning prayer and the evening prayer. I don't know why exactly, but for me, this is what I do. In morning prayer, in prime, when I'm praying and I get to the creed, there's this huge temptation to just skip it. Why? Well, I know it off by heart. I know it inside out. I, I can say it in my sleep. It's not in the other prayers, right? It's going to add a whole 43 seconds to this prayer, and God knows I really need those 43 seconds, right? The creed is the reminder. It's a reminder for me of the roadmap of, of my life. How am I going to live today? This is the roadmap. My actions are a reflection of what I believe. So the church has given me a reminder of what I believe first thing in the morning. This is what I believe. I believe in one God. I believe in the Father. I believe in the Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. And you know what? I believe He's coming back again and it might be today. Am I ready? Am I ready? Am I a man? Am I a man and I'm going to stick by what I believe? Or am I going to be a girl today? Up to you. Up to you. Guess what? The church has put it for us in the Compline prayer as well. Why? So then I can look back and say, how did I live today? Did I live today according to what I believe? Was I a man of integrity? Yes or no? If no, guess what comes soon after the creed? An absolution. All the sins which we have committed against you in this day, whether in deed or in word or in thought, did I stick to what I believe? Yes or no? Are you a man of integrity, integrity of doctrine? Yes or no? Be a man. S for? P for? I for? Integrity and doctrine. Excellent. What's going to come after that? What's number four? R. R is for reverence. What's reverence? Reverence is like respect, but it's like more than respect. Let's just stick with respect for now. You know, some of you know my dad, some of you don't. Like any other person growing up, you know, I like I had my arguments with my dad and so on. But there's something I recognized about my dad that I always loved. And all my life I've asked him a question and all my life he's given me the same answer. My dad is somebody, if you don't know him or if you do know him, that everybody I know respects. They respect him. I don't know why. And I would ask him, Dad, how do you make people respect you? I'll tell you a secret, okay? The answer is not walking up to people and saying, respect me. Okay? That's like begging for respect, and that's the best way to get people not to respect you. How do you, Dad, how do you get people to respect you? You know what his answer was? And it's always been the same answer. He never changed his answer. You want integrity? That's integrity. But now we're talking about respect. You know what his answer was? He say, respect yourself, and people will respect you. Respect yourself, and people will respect you. Do you respect yourself? A man respects himself. 
A man respects himself. Do you respect yourself? I want to tell you something. Sometimes I have difficulty respecting myself. Especially, especially when I'm alone. I'll get to that. Sometimes I have difficulty respecting myself. You know, I'm tell you a secret, and it's not a secret. But no one ever said it to me. Until I realized it's so true. And it's all over the Bible. It's all over Jesus' teachings. It's all over our liturgical prayers. It's all over. It's, it's written black on white. It's like a huge billboard. You know who respects you? God does. What are signs of disrespect? Interrupting. You all are very respectful. You're letting me talk and you're letting me say what I prepared. And you're, you're, you're great people. You're very respectful. You're not interrupting me. When has God interrupted you? What's another sign of respect? To believe in somebody. God believes in you. He's gifted you. He's enabled you. He's empowered you. He's given you relationships with people, your, your siblings, brother, sister, your parents, your friends. You could do a lot of damage. You could hurt people that he really, really, really loves. But he trusts you. This is something I've been, I've been on this for about six months and I can't get it out of my head. You know what's crazy? You know what's just absolutely, absolutely nuts? Is that everything that God asks of us to do towards him, he does towards us already. He says, believe in me. He says, believe in me. Right? But guess what? He believes in you. He says, follow me. I want to tell you something. You know, it's totally nuts. Like it's totally crazy that the creator of heaven and earth follows me into every disaster I put myself into. Isn't that nuts? Everything that God expects us to do, he already does towards us. He believes in you. He respects you. So you know what? If we go back to our first point of being sober and keeping your eye on the goal, I told you I was going to tell you what the goal was. What are you supposed to keep your eye on? Basketball, you keep your eye on the ball. Golf, you keep your eye on the hole. I don't know. Archery, you keep your eye on the target. What are we supposed to be keeping our eyes on? Reverence. On Him. If I see Him respecting me all day long, it becomes impossible for me not to respect myself. I want to ask you a question. Who's right and who's wrong? Okay, if there's only two people in the room and they're saying something different. One person says red, the other person says blue. One person says up, the other person says down. The two people in the room are you and God. Who's right and who's wrong? God's right. All agree? All in agreement? Put your hands up. Look at that. Three quarters of you are still awake. Fantastic. Right? If it's between God and me, we all agree that God is the one who's going to be right. If I don't think I deserve to be respected, but God thinks I deserve to be respected, who's right and who's wrong? God's right. God's right. 
If I keep my eye on Him, and I'm keeping my, my, I'm focused on Him, and I see how He treats me, it becomes impossible for me to think any less of myself. Respect God, revere God, you'll respect yourself, people will respect you. Take your eyes off God, devil whispers funny things in your ears, you suck, you're stupid, you're this, you're that, you're this, you're this, you're this, you're that. Don't respect yourself. Good luck, people respecting you. Remember Joseph? Joseph in Potiphar's house. Joseph was sold as a slave in Genesis. Son of Jacob gets sold as a slave, finds himself as a servant or a slave in this Egyptian man's house named Potiphar. Potiphar loves him. He's a great guy. He gets promoted, 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 promoted. He becomes the top man in the house. Potiphar's wife starts liking Joseph. She wants to do funny business with Joseph. She propositions Joseph. Joseph says to her, Potiphar has put all things in his house under me. But for you, because you're his wife, how dare I do this great wickedness before God? He could see God. Now I'll ask you a question. How did Joseph know that that was wicked? What do you think? You guys tell me. How did Joseph know that that was wicked? He said, how dare I do this great wickedness before God? How did he know it was wicked? You tell me. He had integrity. He was certainly a man of integrity. That's an excellent answer. Big hand of applause for... What's your name? What's your name? Huh? What's your name? You, 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 yeah. Michael, big hand of applause for Michael. Okay, okay. So, that's good. Integrity is great. But how did he know? How did he know right from wrong? You tell me. You tell me. How did he know? That that was wicked. Who said it was wicked? God? Did God say it was wicked? When did God say it was wicked? Huh? Notice Joseph came before Moses. Joseph the righteous came before the law and the commandments. Joseph came before the commandment, the Ten Commandments, and he came before thou shalt not commit adultery. So how did Joseph know? Huh? How did Joseph know? How did he know that this was great wickedness before God? Do you remember, do you remember a, a, a funny little story between Abraham and a guy called Abimelech? Abraham sees that uh, hasn't rained for a while and there's going to be some drought. So he says, let's go, let's go to another town, another area, and there's a king there, his name is Abimelech. And he knows these people, he knows that they're not, you know, they're kind of not so honest. So he tells his wife, Sarah, who's elderly, but really beautiful, we're going to tell them that you're my sister, which was a half-truth because she was his like second cousin back then I guess it was that was the norm you know you married your cousins right and 
they do that. So, exactly as predicted, Abimelech sees Sarah, sees that she's beautiful, says, you know what? Take her to my house. So they take her to his house. And then he gets a dream in the middle of the night, an angel or God telling him, if you touch that woman, you are a dead man and your whole house are going to be dead. You give her back to her husband and you go beg him to pray to me. And if, if he prays to me, I might have mercy on you. So he goes, he wakes up and he says, why didn't you tell me that she was your wife and this and that? And he says, well, I thought that you would take her and so on. And as he did, and uh, he says, please pray for me, Abimelech says to Abraham. Abraham says, I will pray for you. And God had mercy on him. How did, how did Joseph know that this was great wickedness? Because he knew the character of God. Because he had his eye on God. And he had listened to the stories of his father and his grandfather. And he knew, he knew that this was great wickedness before God. Respect yourself in public, in private. Where do I allow my eyes to wander? What do I allow my eyes to see? Is that respecting myself? Or is it more respectful to turn my eyes away? Is it more respectful to turn my eyes away and do the sign of the cross and say, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. Lord Jesus Christ, forgive me. Lord Jesus Christ, cleanse my mind and my heart, my conscious and my subconscious from what my eyes have seen. In public and in private. What do I do when I'm alone? Is it the same thing that I would do in front of people? Do I respect myself? Scripture says, delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. In the liturgy, after every reading of the Catholic, we say, do not love the world nor the things of this world. For the things of this world and the lust thereof will pass away. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Respect yourself. That leads us to our next letter. So the first one was S and that was four. Then was P for? Then was I and that was for? Integrity of doctrine. And then was R and that was for? Reverence or respect. What's the next letter going to be? I for incorruptibility. What was that last thing we just said in the Catholic epistle? Every single time we say, do not love the world, the things of this world, for the things of this world will pass away. But he who does the will of God will abide forever. I'll ask you a question. Your parents go to the grocery store, they do the groceries, they buy some bananas, they leave the bananas on the counter, you don't put bananas in the fridge. Right? You leave bananas on the counter. You leave a banana on the counter. They buy seven bananas. Six of them get eaten. The last one doesn't get eaten. It sits on the counter for a few days. What's going to happen to the banana? <laughs> it will become banana bread. Right? Let's just say it's going to change. Is the banana going to stay exactly the way it was when it left the grocery store if you leave it on the counter for a week? Yes or no? It's going to change. It's going to rot. It's going to become corrupt. It's going to, something's going to happen to it. What does the word incorruptible mean here? The word incorruptible mean here means does not change with time, 
perpetual, pure, pure, sincere. Things that are pure do not change over time. Why? Because they are already in the state that they are going to remain in forever. If you take, if you take, uh, anybody did this, you take some sodium bicarb, right? Like you take some baking soda and you pour some vinegar on it. What happens? Like bubbles and stuff and whatever, right? A chemical reaction happens. If you leave it for long enough, what happens? It gets turned into H2O, water, and CO2, carbon dioxide, and the carbon dioxide floats up. The carbon dioxide goes where it goes, the water stays where it is, and the two stay the same forever. They don't change. That's what incorruptible means. That's what God wants you and me to be. Jesus says, let your yes be yes, and your no be no, for anything that is more than these is from the evil one. The only way to stay the same is to have a stable foundation. What's the stable foundation? The rock. Jesus told a story about a rock. He told a story about actually a man who built his house on the rock. Anybody remember that? How does the song go? A wise man built his house on the rock. A wise man built his house on the rock. And we all know the song, a wise man built his house upon the rock, right? But have you ever stopped to ask yourself, what does Jesus explain a wise man being? In the Gospel of Luke, he says, I'll tell you what a wise man is. A wise man is a man who came, number one, who listened, number two, and who did my teachings. A foolish man built his house on the? And the storm came, and the rain came, and the wind came, and what happened to the house? It? It fell. Why did it fall? Because? Weak foundations. Then Jesus says, I'll tell you what a foolish man is. A foolish man is a man who came. And guess what? He also listened. How many of you guys live here in Sherbrooke? Show of hands. Look at that. Nobody. All of you came to the conference, right? 80% of you are still awake and listening. How many of you are going to walk out of here and do? Good on you that you came. And good on you that you're awake and you're listening. But you're still a fool in Jesus by Jesus' definitions. Unless you do. A man doesn't only listen. He doesn't only show up. He does it. He does it because he believes in it. That's the incorruptibility that Jesus is talking about. Only Jesus never changes. What does Hebrews 13, 8 say? We should all know this off by heart. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Let's say that together. Jesus Christ is the same today and forever. Let's do that one more time. Everybody. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday. Only Jesus is the same. You want to be incorruptible, unchangeable, pure, perpetual. The various different words that could be used to, to, to describe this word as it is in the letter to, to St. Titus. Be founded in Jesus. Right? Keep your eye on the goal. Be a man.
Okay, we're at the last point. S was for? P was for? I was for? R was for? I again was for? Incorruptibility. T, talk that cannot be condemned. Jesus says, by your words you will be justified and by your words you will be condemned. Right before Jesus says that, he says, But I say to you, for every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it on the day of judgment. Don't say stuff that doesn't need to be said. Can I make a confession to you? So I decided, I, I like doing these experiments on myself. So when I was still working uh, in my past job before being a priest, we, we would have multiple meetings a day. Like I'd have at least two or three meetings a day in which we would discuss what to do and how to go about certain things and how to so solve certain problems and so on. So I decided, and in these meetings, everybody's always fighting to say what they want to say. And sometimes, like two or three people are all talking at the same time, you can't hear anything. It's like, it was very ridiculous. In fact, that's what got me thinking about this. I thought to myself, this, this would take half the amount of time if we would just all listen to each other. And then I thought, I started, I said, you know what, I'm going to start listening and see what happens. And I realized most of the time, everybody was saying the same thing other people were saying, but nobody was listening to the other people. I thought, well, this is pretty ridiculous. Well, if four people are all saying the same thing and they're all fighting to say it and they're all talking over each other, I'm not going to be the fifth. So I decided that I'm going to wait till the end after everyone has spoken and I will say whatever is new, whatever is novel, whatever is extra, whatever is going to add something. But if I'm just going to say stuff that other people could say, I'm going to let them say it since they all really want to talk. So I said, and I take my song, I'm going to do this experiment for two weeks and see how it goes. Guess what? For two weeks, I hardly said anything at all. You know what my conclusion was? My conclusion wasn't that all these people are rude and all talk and all this and all that or that they're proud or arrogant or whatever. That wasn't my conclusion. You know what my conclusion was? My conclusion was, I'm not nearly as intelligent as I thought I was. I thought I was so much more intelligent or interesting or smart than these people were. So I had to get my word in. You know, I have to say something because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to save the day. You know what I realized? <laughs> all these people are probably just about, just about as smart as me. Maybe once I said something that added uh, just a detail, like just a, something very small and insignificant. I realized that most of the things that come out of my mouth are things that could have went unsaid. And if I'm going to be judged for all the words that I say, maybe it's better if I let other people do the talking. I have enough things to be judged for. I don't need to make my judgment even longer. Maybe I should keep my mouth shut a little bit. St. Arsenius put it a lot more eloquently. He said, much have I spoken of which I have regretted, but of silence I have never regretted. St. James says, for we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able to brittle his whole body. If you can go a day, let me make it easier. If you can go one hour while you're awake, okay, of not saying anything that you should not have said, man, you are on your road to sainthood.
says St. James. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, says St. James. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts of great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. With our tongue, we can do a lot of good, and with our tongue, we can do a lot of evil. With our tongue, we can say a couple of words of encouragement. You know, here's another realization, another experiment I did. I decided I was going to try to encourage every single person I met that day. I had such a great time, I extended the experiment to the next day and the day after, and I kept it going. And you know what? I've tried to keep it going ever since. Because I learned something. Encouragement is actually free. It doesn't cost me anything except to be a little bit of a little thoughtfulness. And it goes such a long way for people. A word of encouragement is something you can say with your tongue. You could always also say a word of rumor or a word of gossip or a word of criticism. How many times has somebody said a criticism to you and you are sure they're not thinking about what they said to you, but you're still thinking about it? I'll tell you a story, but it's kind of scary. I hope I don't scare you too much. St. Shenouda the Archmandrite, used, Jesus used to appear to him all the time. One day Jesus appeared to him and took him to Hades. And he went, when he went to Hades, he saw all kinds of monks and nuns screaming in torment and being tortured. And they were screaming and moaning and they were in so much agony and so much pain. So he asked the Lord Jesus, he asked them, how, how, did they, how did they end up here? He said to him, these are the grumblers. These are the murmurers who murmured against their brethren. St. Shenouda was in so much suffering just watching them. He said to him, why did you bring me here? St. Shenouda was, the, was the, the, the head of multiple different monasteries, monks and nuns, over 4,000 people. He said, I brought you here so that you could go and warn your children so they don't come to this place as well. It's a big deal. It's a big deal to complain about other people. We might think it's nothing. We're Hades. We might think it's nothing. But it's a really big deal to Jesus when we complain and grumble and murmur about others. T was for talk that cannot be condemned. S was for? P was for? I was for? R was for? I again was for? T was for? Okay, let's wrap it up. Tell you one last story king david is on his deathbed king david is dying this is in second first kings chapter 2 first kings chapter 2 verses 1 and 2 king david is on his deathbed and he's dying he brings solomon over and he says to solomon before he dies i go the way of all the earth be strong therefore and prove yourself a man King David says to Solomon, 
Prove yourself a man. God is saying to me, first and foremost, and to every single one of you, prove yourself a man. What does that mean? This is what it means. Verse 3. Keep the charge of the Lord your God. Walk in His ways. Keep His statutes, His commandments, and His judgments, and His testimonies. As it is written in the law of Moses, that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you turn. That the Lord may fulfill His word, which He spoke concerning me, saying, If your sons take heed to their way and walk before me in truth with all their heart and all their soul, He said, I shall not, you shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel. Okay. You know, you have this acronym SPIRIT, S-P-I-R-I-T, to remember what St. Titus says in chapter 2 is a man. Suppose you don't remember that. Suppose you can't remember any of this. Okay, in, second, in, in 1 Kings chapter 2, King David is saying, be a man. Prove yourself to be a man. What does that mean? It means to keep the commandments of God. Plain and simple. A man is somebody who keeps the commandments of God. That is the summary of all of this. Solomon hears this, and in chapter 3, verse 7, he prays, and he says, Now, O Lord, you have made your servant king instead of my father David, but I am a little child. I do not how to know how to go out or to come in. Every one of us hears these words, and we feel, Man, this is a tall order. Man, the bar is, is high. How am I going to do that? I don't know if I'm kind of cut out for this. This manhood business turned out to not just be flexing my muscles and playing some football. This man thing turned out to be, turned out to be a lot bigger than we thought it was. You know what God answers? God answers you and me. In 2 Samuel 10, verse 12, he says, Be of good courage. Let us be strong for our people and for the cities of our God. And may the Lord do what is good in his sight. Don't worry. Be strong. Be courageous. God will carry you. God will do what's good in his sight and he will elevate you. In Ecclesiastes 12, 13, it says, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Here's the conclusion of it all, okay? In, in Ecclesiastes 12, at the end of the preacher is going on for 12 chapters, he says, here's the conclusion of it all. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is man's all. This is what all of being a man is. Fear God and keep his commandments. Finally, in 1 Corinthians 16, St. Paul concludes and says, Watch, stand fast in faith, be brave, be strong, be a man. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.